1: Welcome to More Than Amuse podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts, hosted by Stani and Sadie.
2: Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Hello everyone and welcome back to More Than a Muse. I'm Stani.
1: And I am Sadie. And welcome. We are continuing with our More Than Amuse monster month. And we're talking about a queen
2: of Halloween today. Yes. And so many monster movies and just like spooky movies. So many monsters. And Mm -hmm. I just love it. I found there's this BuzzFeed article that said that like Mm -hmm. Winona Ryder is the undisputed queen of Halloween. And I was like, what? And then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, oh yeah, like she totally is. But I found a lot of tweets <laughs> after I saw this article that it was like October or as I like to call it the month where Winona Rider is at her most powerful state of being or <laughs> like October belongs to her like this is the month we celebrate Winona Ryder and then one even said like Winona Ryder legally owns both the month of October and Halloween itself don't ask me how it's somewhere in the law and if you don't say happy Winona Rider month you will be arrested so happy it's Winona Rider month I love that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> have even wanted to write month have you seen any of the movies
2: that she's been in actually i've seen a lot of like her early classics from when she was younger so obviously i've mm-hmm. seen beetlejuice i like feel like it would see be i weird. haven't I you
1: haven't i've I've never seen Beetlejuice oh
2: my gosh so I feel like I need to do that finally yeah we might have to yeah. pick that one I was gonna let people vote but if you haven't seen Beetlejuice I mean we can still let have people vote
1: because that's what I was wondering I was like I actually haven't seen any of the movies that she's been in I've obviously seen, her seen Stranger Heather's? Things but like <sighs> no I haven't seen
2: Heather's either Heather's I think is I know there's right a lot now. of movies I've been meaning to see wait really Yeah, it's on something. I like just watched it the other day. Okay, well, then I'll
1: definitely get around to watching Heather's because my portion of today was like talking about all the movies that she's been in, basically, in the Mm -hmm. early career. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have not seen one of these movies. And I know like a lot of them are like the classics or cult classics. So I'm like, how have I missed out on this? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah.
2: I will say like but. Beetlejuice is a total like family movie. Like you could watch that with like your parents and it's funny and like everyone okay, will cool. enjoy it. And Heather's is like, it kind of falls in the same realm as like Jennifer's Body and Mean Girls, you know? A little bit mm-hmm. darker. Yes, that's kind of the vibe I got. Yeah, there's actually a musical based on it too. That's free right now if you have a Roku. Um, And I watched the musical and it was... Oh, interesting isn't
1: the musical like the one song was like going viral on tiktok for a second with like the guy at the door yeah isn't that from heathers okay yes Mm -hmm.
2: veronica open the door now veronica open the door yeah open the door veronica yeah okay (laughs) yes that's from heathers it's kind of a messed up story like the plot of heathers is she like gets in with the popular crowd and it's like the three main girls of high school but they're all named heather and they like bring her into the group. Yeah. And then this new guy moves in, and he's like the bad boy. And then they end up accidentally killing one of her friends. And then he kind oh. of goes rogue and starts killing people on purpose. And then she's like nice. helping him cover it up. And it gets dark oh.
1: really fast. Yes. Interesting.
2: So it's got a lot of like those funny like one-liners that make it like a cult classic. But yeah, it's definitely I
1: feel like when we were watching Jennifer's Body last week or this week, I guess, so many one-liners that I totally forgot in that movie. Right.
2: And that's why it's such a huge cult classic because it has like those one-liners and the fashion and like the cast. And I feel like that does it for cult Mm -hmm. classics. I'm trying to think of some of her other ones. I have seen the Alien movies. Edward Scissorhands? Oh, yeah, but a long time ago. I watched that in high school. I think it it was like a Halloween party in high school or something. I watched that one, so I haven't seen it in a really long time.
1: Yeah, I've never seen that one either. So I'm like, dang,
2: I got some homework to do this Halloween. I know. I haven't seen a lot of other stuff. I've seen a lot of the early ones, a lot of the ones that she's really well-known for. So highly Mm -hmm. recommend most of them, like... I think they're great well as we were doing the research for it I was like oh my
1: gosh Winona Ryder has done so much that I like I said I haven't really what's the word I haven't partaken of her talent yet yeah partaken is the weirdest word I could have chosen but it's the only one I could think of um <laughs> no, you're good. but you know what I mean anyways well should we jump into her life is there anything else Let's we need do to do it I mean now?
2: Did you make any art this week that you want to talk about? Did I make any art
1: this week? Honestly, no. I don't think I did, actually. I mean, like, okay, I'm releasing a song in two weeks. So, have started to kind of try and figure out how I'm going to market that. Yeah. Um, Got all, that all done. And kind of worked a lot this week and, like, went to shows with friends. But I didn't really... You know, I didn't actually really do much. I have like a write scheduled tomorrow that I'm excited about. Oh, there you go. So hopefully something good comes from that tomorrow. And I had Mm -hmm. a write on Monday that I also really like too. So yes, I guess I'm always creating art, but like mm, nothing crazy that I could think of. But what about you? I know you had a photo shoot for work today.
2: Yes, I had my photo shoot today. It went really well. My favorite part was actually we got to the end and we were doing a group shot of some products together. And I had this idea where I wanted to use like flowers in it, but I wanted real ones because fake flowers look really fake. Mm. (laughs) And so I went out to like the side of the road, like right outside our office building and ended up like cutting off stems of these like wildflowers and then we took them in and put them together and it looked so good I was like so happy with how it turned out and everything like turned out really great that's awesome and um one week till midnight's yeah it's exciting one week until midnight's I seriously thought she was gonna come out with a single last night because it was the 13th and like she hasn't released one yet and I know I'm just excited there's like a Taylor Swift release party
1: that's like happening at a venue down here that I definitely bought my ticket to so yay for Taylor Swift dance party the night that minute that's so fun
2: my brother will be getting married that day so I will be (laughs) probably sleeping that's okay
1: all right well let us jump into the life of Winona Ryder I found this little quote that I think perfectly describes it so known for her deeply emotional and complex feminine roles in a slew of dark fantasy films and tv shows Ryder has been hailed as like you mentioned the undisputed queen of halloween famous for her character's close encounters with the supernatural as much as her iconic 90s goth wardrobe both on and off screen which i felt was a good you know summarization of it so breathing for her early life so winona laura horowitz was born october 29th of 1971 she shares it with fanny bryce and has brought that up in an interview fun fact we've talked about fanny bryce recently Um, to cynthia palmer and michael d horowitz her mother was an author video producer and editor and her father is also an author editor publisher and like a rare bookseller which that was cool What I love to find out is her stage name derives from Mitch Ryder, who was a soul and rock singer of whom her father was a really big fan of. 1978, when she was seven years old, her and her family relocated to Rainbow, which was a commune near Elk, Mendocino County, California, where they lived with seven other families on a 300 acre plot of land, (gasps) which is... what. I know. Um, the remote property had no electricity or television sets, so she began to devote her time to reading, and she became a big fan of *The Catcher in the Rye*. Fun fact: so she was kind of in a cult. That's that's what I was. Gather- I mean, I <laughs> didn't do a lot of research in the commune, but I was like, hmm, seems. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it was a bad cult. No, I mean there can be good cults, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it was a commune. It's fine. Um and that's really interesting. I know. When she was 10, though her and her family moved to Petaluma, California, and then during her first week at Kenilworth Junior High, apparently she was bullied by children in her grade Aww. which is lame in 1983 the 12 year old enrolled at the american conservatory theater in the nearby san francisco where she took her very first acting lessons also this is a scary thing but during the same year she actually nearly drowned which caused her to develop aquaphobia and this actually trauma caused problems in her life during the underwater scenes in alien resurrection um and a lot of that had to be reshot mm. numerous times because she was so scared Mm
2: -hmm. which
1: i mean yeah horrifying uh what i thought was sad is that her bullying experiences continued on through high school uh when she achieved her early film success with beetlejuice this quote says i remember thinking ooh, it's like the number one movie this is gonna make things great at school but i guess it made things
2: worse and they called her a witch which is so mean i don't understand that if one yeah. of our classmates had been in a freaking movie that was like a number one blockbuster yeah. film, I would not make fun of them. We would not have been bullying them. No, we would have been like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Yeah, like, I don't feel like I don't understand.
1: <laughs> I don't either. Not at all. But uh she graduated in nineteen eighty nine. And with a 4.0 GPA. So she's smart, I guess. Way to go. Ryder has stated that her natural hair color is brown, but she was really blonde as a kid. But then when she was 11 or 12, she actually started dyeing her blonde hair black, blue, and purple. And at the time of her audition for the 1986 film Lucas, her hair had been dyed black. And the filmmakers asked her to keep it, which obviously became a very signature look for Winona Ryder for a yeah, long time. Definitely. So... Continuing on, so her early career in ba- breakthrough. So in 1985, she sent a videotaped audition where she recited a monologue from the novel Franny and Zoe by J.D. Salinger to appear in the film Desert Bloom. Although the role went to Annabeth Gish, the writer and director David Seltzer cast her in his high school drama Lucas, which starred Corey Haim, Corey Charlie Sheen, and Carrie Green. When asked how she wanted her name to appear in the credits, she suggested Ryder as her surname because a Mitch Ryder album that belonged to her father was playing in the background, I guess. So I don't know why she would just (laughs) choose her real name, but, you know, whatever. Winona Ryder, like that's a it's a great stage name. So I'll give her that.
2: Very
1: true. Um, Ryder's next film was Square Dance in 1987, where her teenage character creates a bridge between two different worlds. She won acclaim for the performance, with the Los Angeles Times calling it a remarkable debut. Both films, however, were only marginally successful commercially. But then after seeing her in the movie Lucas, the director Tim Burton decided to cast Ryder in his film Beetlejuice, which came out in 1988. She starred as the goth teenager whose family moves to a haunted house populated by ghosts, played by... By Gina Davis, Alec Baldwin, and Michael Keaton. You know, really casual names. The film was obviously a success, despite the fact that I personally have not seen it working on that. But it was a huge success at the <laughs> box office, and the film, as well as writers' performance, received mostly positive reviews. And then also, in 1989, she appeared alongside... Kiefer Sutherland and Robert Downey Jr. in 1969, which is a drama about the Vietnam War and the tensions it created in American families. So I did not know that. Interesting. But yeah, Yeah, crazy that like Beetlejuice, you know, that Tim Burton just saw her in that movie. And I'll make this point at the end, but something that I really love about Winona Ryder and like, reading through literally every single movie she was in is that not all of them were hits, right? Some of them flopped. Some of them did not do well commercially or even like critically, but she's still an icon. And I think sometimes it's so easy to like look at, you know, people who are amazing who are amazing actors, who are very accomplished. And it's easy to think that like, oh, everything they've done is good. You know, everything that they Mm -hmm. touch turns to gold kind of a thing. But it's like kind of nice to like read through successful people's failures and be like, okay, cool. So not everything I touch has to turn to gold. You know, like you really just need a couple diamonds to be known as the icon. You can have flops like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like that stupid TikTok sound where it's like you're not a flop it's just your flop era or whatever
2: whatever that sound was. <laughs> no I agree and it's kind of cool too because like obviously we talked about how she's the undisputed queen of Halloween when mm-hmm. like not every single movie she's been in has been like no it's just tons uh, of other horror stuff movie yeah it's just more so that like all of the ones she became really famous for were all of these like mm-hmm. dark cult classic films yeah and so it's cool too because it's like she's known for this thing when it's like that's not even like a oh, she huge did. chunk of her career no that's yeah but that's so like much what more. became successful mm-hmm. yeah it's really cool
1: after this so the pretty much the year she graduated high school which is crazy to realize just how young she was she starred in the independent film heathers which you mentioned a little bit but it's a satirical take on teenage life featured Ryder and christian slater as high school sweethearts who begin killing off popular students what i thought was interesting to learn is that her agent initially begged her to turn the role down saying that the film would ruin her career (laughs) The critical reaction to the film was positive and her performance was positively received. Uh, The Washington Post stated that Ryder is Hollywood's most impressive ingenue. Ryder makes us love her teenage murderess, a bright, funny girl with a little Bonnie Parker in here. She's the most likable, best strong young adult protagonist since the sexual innocence of Gregory's girl. So, Mm. you know, I just think she obviously obviously is a very good actress and from the very beginning you know was able to portray these kind of dark twisted characters and like almost make them likable yes despite though its critical success it was a box office flop you know um Mm -hmm. but as we mentioned it's definitely kind of achieved that cult classic film in the Mm -hmm. years that have gone by yeah i mean it literally has a freaking musical i know which you know not a flop i mean it's come back definitely and then, in nineteen eighty nine, she was the starring role in the biopic Great Balls of Fire, which she played the thirteen year old bride and cousin, oh, of rock and roll Idol Jerry Lee Lewis. Oh man, <laughs> you know, when I was doing the research for this, I don't think I really internalized that sentence. Um, nice. No. But the film, he again was a his box office failure.
2: Cousin and bride. That's well, yeah,
1: nice. So, Apparently, Jerry Lee Lewis sucks. Good to know. But yeah, that one also was a box office failure and received mixed reviews from critics. So. But then the 1990s, she began with three starring roles in the fantasy film Edward Scissorhands. She reunited with the director Tim Burton to play the female lead alongside her then boyfriend Johnny Depp, which obviously this film was a significant box office success grossing 86 million received a lot of critical acclaim and then her second film of the year was the family comedy drama so again like you said not everything she did was scary but it was Mm -hmm. called mermaids uh which was like moderately successful but i feel like i haven't heard of that one yeah i haven't heard of it either but what i think is so cool that it's like even in the movies that like don't do well all the critics are like But Winona Ryder was great. Um, Like, for example, for like that movie, it's like the Chicago Sun-Times wrote, Winona Ryder in another of her alienated outsider roles generates real charisma. So, you know, like I said, it's not like she's, that movie is even known, but she killed it. And for her performance in that, she received a Golden Globe nomination for Best Actress in a Supporting Role. So... Wow. That's cool. She must have done really good in it then. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And then also she played another lead role as a troubled teenager in the comedy drama Welcome Home, Roxy Carmichael, which is also a 1990 film, which again, the film co-starred Jeff Daniels and was deemed a commercial flop. And then what I thought was interesting is she was actually slated to appear in The Godfather Part 3, but withdrew from the project in the beginning of filming due to nervous exhaustion, which you know what? Like she... (laughs) starred in like three movies in 1990 I think she was fine to
2: pull out and say I'm exhausted I'm that's (laughs) a lot of movies in one year
1: that is a lot of movies and like Edward Scissorhands huge movie I mean Mermaids I haven't heard of it but like she got a Golden Globe award from it so like she obviously was doing just fine moving forward though for more of her major roles in 1991 she played a young taxi cab driver in the film Night on Earth it was given a very limited release, but received a lot of critical plays. But then she starred in the very big budget adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula, featuring Ryder in the dual role of Mina Murray and Count dracula's past lover princess Elisabetta, which i thought was interesting is the script was actually originally intended for television adaption but writer actually liked it so much that she brought it to coppola's attention and the film premiered in november of 1992 to obviously a lot of commercial and critical success
2: can you imagine having the power where you're like, okay, this made for TV movie is actually really good. Um, excuse me, Francis Ford Coppola. Like, can you take a look at this? I think we should do something with this. And I mean, good call, I guess. <laughs> no, that's one that I haven't seen that I really want to. I've heard Same. it's like phenomenal. I was like, maybe we can watch that one this week too. Maybe we
1: should just have like a watch party every night. We just watch all the Win- Winona Ryder movies. But then she continued her work in period films, which was actually a pretty good part of her career. She was in The Age of Innocence, which is an adaptation of Edith Wharton's novel, which co-starred Michelle Pfeiffer, which, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And Daniel Day-Lewis, writer. Oh, and this was with Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese directed this. I'm like, I don't I'm so nervous. I got that wrong. Anyways, but she considers him (laughs) the best director in the world, which is cool. Let me see. For her portrayal of Mae Welland, I think in that movie, she won a Golden Globe Award for Best Supporting Actress as well as received Academy Award and BAFTA Award nominations. It wasn't a commercial success, but obviously got a lot of critical praise. And then the New York Times wrote about this. Miss Ryder is wonderful as this sweet young thing who's hard as nails, as much out of ignorance as of self-interest, which I thought was cool. <laughs> and then she was also in another movie, The House of... Of the Spirits based on uh, Isabel Allende's novel. I'm not familiar with that one. But again, that one was Me a flop either. too. It grossed only $6 million and had a $40 million budget, which is like, mm, Oof. not great. But again, no. the critics loved her and said that Ryder quote seems an unlikely casting choice, but she is more convincing with more abandon and passion and she makes her character work. So even in the flops, she's the... She's the shining star. So good for her. Yeah. Then her next film, the Generation X drama, Reality Bites, kind of marked a departure from period films.
2: When was she in Little Women? Coming up soon. I will. Oh, OK. Sorry. I was like, wasn't that around the same time? Yeah. That's coming up literally
1: next, actually. Um, so she's in oh, Night. This Reality Bites, which, by the way, was only greenlit because of her star status. And then, of course, her performance received acclaim, but the film did not meet the box office expectations. But then (laughs) later that year, she returned to period pieces and she was Joe March in Little woman. And that film received widespread praise. Critic Janet Maslin of the New York Times wrote that the film was the greatest adaptation of the novel and remarked on Ryder's performance, saying miss Ryder, whose banner year also includes a fine comic appearance performance in Reality Bites, plays Joe with spark and confidence. Her spirited presence gives the film an appealing linchpin, and she plays the self proclaimed man of the family with just the right staunchness. So, again, just Great, love that. Um, And she received her second best actress Oscar nomination for the role. Have I seen that one? Have you seen Little Women?
2: No. Yes, I have not yet seen Little
1: Women. I know. Say, is that
2: the one? I that was the Little Women I grew up with. Obviously, because the one that just got made just got made. So the one that I had, I owned it on DVD. And I watched A Little Women with Winona Ryder Joe March.
1: Which one did you like better, the Winona Ryder one or the more recent one?
2: I haven't seen the new one yet.
1: <gasps> uh, I mean, who am I to say anything? I've literally seen neither. So,
2: yeah. I've heard that the one with Winona Ryder was more accurate. That makes sense. Like time period and book accurate. Uh-huh. Um, which I have to say, from what I've heard, I haven't read the book either, but mm-hmm. like it's pretty true. And I think she did a phenomenal performance. But I am excited to see the new one. I just didn't have time to see it in theaters. So I was waiting for it to come out. And then I think I have Never gotten got around
1: until... to it. I've been meaning to. I read yeah. half of the Little Woman book. So there's mm-hmm. my, you know, kind of trying. It's fine. Yeah, there you go. She received her second Best Actress nomination for the role of Joe March, which is cool. Then her next starring role was How to Make an American Quilt in 1995, which is an adaption of a novel. And then this is interesting. The film grossed nearly four times its budget and received mixed positive reviews from critics. So that one was the opposite wow. of a flop. The same year, she narrated Anne Frank's The Diary of a Young Girl, and she actually received a Grammy Award nomination for that. So...
2: That's awesome. I know,
1: a review by Audiophile praised her performance saying Winona Ryder is the perfect narrator for this work. Her voice sounds very young, matching the 14-year-old's enthusiasm and frustrations. So, that's cool. Then kind of like between the ni- the late 90s now, she made several film appearances in 1996, The First in Boys. That one was another kind of a flop, attracted mostly negative reviews which whatever but then a critic said that the film has wasted the talent and intelligence of winona ryder so again like no matter what she's a (laughs) part of everyone's just like but winona ryder like deserved more she was amazing um then she was in looking for richard al pacino's meta documentary on a production of shakespeare's richard the third i'm so intrigued by that concept but that only grossed a million dollars at the box office so you know whatever She starred in The Crucible with Daniel Day-Lewis and Joan Mm. Allen, which was obviously an adaptation of Arthur Miller's play centered on the Salem Witch Trials. The film was expected to be a huge success considering its huge budget, but was a failure. But again, despite this, it was well-received her performance was and yeah her performance was put on a pedestal rolling stone said Ryder offers a transfixing portrait of warped innocence but then fun fact is winona Riders actually later claimed that the role of abigail williams was the hardest that is her whole so career. interesting right?
2: because i feel like that's one of her better known roles after this is when she was in the alien movies
1: alongside Sidorni weaver mm-hmm. she was in alien resurrections What I thought was fun is her brother Yuri was a major fan of the film series, like the original Alien trilogy. So when she was approached about it, she agreed. I think yeah, because her brother was such a big fan about of it. And then the film though became the least successful entry in the Alien film series, but like also like it's grossed 161 million dollars worldwide. So like not really a flop. But Ryder and weaver's performances drew mostly positive reviews she actually won a blockbuster entertainment award for best actress but like some people commented like Ryder is a wonderful actress one of the most gifted of our generation but wrong for this movie so like even when critics thought she did bad in the movie they still were like she's the gift of our generation but maybe just not the right movie for her
2: <laughs> yeah they didn't even blame her they're just like give her a different movie she's too good she's for this too one. good for this one
1: which i think is so funny
2: i love it what I, I thought this
1: was cool. I did not know this. On Valentine's Day in 1998, she performed in Eve Ensler's play The Vagina Monologues. I did not know that. Oh, cool. I mean, then immediately after she starred in Woody Allen's Celebrity, which is hilarious back to back in our modern world um there's, there's yeah. some irony there <laughs> anyways and then like 1989 she's just like doing a bunch of other work she's like started music videos for like her then boyfriend her and leonardo dicaprio narrated survivors testimonies of the holocaust which was a steven spielberg wow. show foundation like it was produced by them then 1999 she starred and served as an executive producer for girl interrupted based on the 1993 Hmm. memoir of the same name. This film had been in development since late 1996, but took time to begin film filming. She was actually deeply attached to this project, referring to it as her child of the heart. She played Kacen, who was borderline personality disorder and was admitted to a psychiatric hospital for recovery it was directed by james marigold and co starred angelina jolie what was interesting is this film was expected to mark her comeback playing leading roles instead it turned out to be like the welcome to hollywood coronation for jolie who won the academy award for best supporting actress for her performance which is kind of interesting that like you know angelina jolie kind of ended up being like the I don't know the breakout star of that movie but Roger Ebert stated Ryder shows again her skill as projecting mental states one of her gifts is to let us know exactly what she's thinking without seeming to he later said that Ryder is one of the reasons to see the film so you know I guess like I said Angelina Jolie was kind of the breakout I guess of that role but still it's not like mm-hmm. Winona did bad have you heard of that movie girl interrupted
2: I feel like I've heard the name yeah I like um, saw but it but I TikTok. don't know much
1: about it about it like describing it and then it was like talking about like how dark this one scene was and then I went back and watched the scene on YouTube and I'm like oh my gosh yeah it's a very very dark movie but I mean Winona Mm -hmm. Ryder did great so whatever Mm April of 2000, she was rewarded the Peter J. Owens Award at the San Francisco Film Festival. So she did a lot of random things, I feel like, in this year. She like played a nun of a secret society loosely connected to the Roman Catholic Church that determined to prevent Armageddon and lost souls, which was a commercial failure. What was I thought was interesting? She said, Ryder refused to do any commercial promotion for the film. She later said, I was attracted to Lost Souls because I know nothing about the subject. I personally don't believe in demonic possession. For me to play this woman was a real challenge. She is the ultimate believer. Most of all, I wanted to do a movie in the thriller genre, at least one. So maybe she like wanted to try it and then didn't think she did a good job. And so she didn't want to promote it. I don't know. Or she didn't Um, like the
2: movie. I feel like that's very like Florence Pugh.
1: Yeah. She's like, I don't like it. Yeah. So nope. (laughs) Whatever. And then October 6th of 2000, she received her Hollywood Walk of Fame star, which is cool. So Oh, nice. Lots of, you know, just uh, stuff I feel there, but like.
2: I think it just goes to show just how much she was in. That's like an entire career for some people. Yes. And like a very, you know, very good like career. Like that would be the catalyst. Like Hollywood Walk of Fame and then they retired and they were done. And that would be like yep. a huge phenomenal career that we would still talk about. And yet. Yeah. She isn't done.
1: <laughs> she No, no, we're still, we're still going. We're going to take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists. Today for the spotlight, I am shouting out Patterned Studio. Her name is Alexis Lesnick, printmaker and an artist. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So she does, you know, printmaker and illustrator based in Maryland. And I love them. All right, that's all. That's all. I just I just love them. She has really cool reels. And obviously everything is very like spooky. As per the season. And I, yeah, I just really freaking love it. Because it's like the line, no printing. The
2: Frankenstein and his bride Yeah. One. Holy crap.
1: I know. And it's like the cool like carving out the stamps and I just love it. I love it so much. These are amazing. They're stunning. She also
2: did Morticia and Gomez. I know. Gomez. I love
1: the Morticia and Gomez. And the one that I found was like. Like the coffin one with the little skeleton guy. It's very, very sweet. Oh, cool. So, yeah. These are amazing. I know. So, go check out Patterned Studio. Yeah, because I'm obsessed with what she's doing. And she has an Etsy, so you can go online and make an order with her.
2: I ran across a viral video on TikTok where this podcast called a bakery – And, like, asked for these cakes that were, like, I know you're cheating on me. Oh, yeah. We're done. Like, I'm taking Uh the dog. And it was a joke. But the lady responded being, like, yes, we could totally do these. We'll even deliver it with a pile of poop if you want us to. And I looked up the cake shop. And these are gorgeous. So... First off, she sounds really cool on the phone. Second off, this is only in Sydney, Australia, so I will probably never be able to get one, but just go look at them. Trixie drinks tea. Miss Trixie drinks tea. Her name is Alice. It's a bakery. And oh, yeah. These are they're nice. They're amazing.
1: I like these. They're
2: literally so cool.
1: Uh-huh. Absolutely.
2: Like, they're kish. And, is that how you say it? Kitch? Yeah. And just... Perfect. Like, this is everything that I love about cake trends right now. Like, these cool vintage cakes that I wish never went out of style.
1: I, yes, absolutely. They're so cute. Yeah, and then she also
2: just does really fun ones with, like, little messages. And she has, like, these insane cookies that are just, like, covered in stuff.
1: I love it. Yeah, they're adorable.
2: Yeah, I'm obsessed. So, I'm like, yes, just go look at them. Enjoy them because we will never be able to eat one probably unless i mean
1: maybe go to australia yeah maybe, but, uh, who knows but <laughs> probably
2: not i just love it so much i'm like it's just perfect so i love it i thought it was too fun and i mean like our birthday episode was last week so just pretend that pretend that was our cake. i did that for this yeah, one absolutely and this is just your mid-episode reminder to go follow us on instagram for watch parties every week yes. our book lives on instagram that we've been doing every Week on Frankenstein that we've been reading and um just more fun stuff. All the kinds so. of. All right, now back to the show. So many iconic films, but obviously, all of you are probably thinking, "Wait, there's one major TV show we still haven't talked about yet," and what? that's very true. Yes. What's kind of funny is that I feel like you can tell from everything you talked about is that when Ryder was very beloved by Hollywood. Yes. Especially when she was, like, dating Johnny Depp. Like, they were kind of, like, this emo rocker 90s grunge dream couple that everyone was obsessed with. Yeah. And he even had, like, a tattoo and they were engaged and it was this whole thing. But a lot of things happened, like, in 2001 that ended up kind of changing the future of her career for a bit. I think it's funny. They say, like, in 2001, Ryder began a four-year career hiatus. Apart from all these roles that she did. (laughs) Yeah, literally. (laughs) So, kind of funny. But she was a guest star in the Friends sitcom where she played Rachel's sorority sister. I think it's the episode where Rachel kisses her, right? Is that the right one? Hold on. I I can't think of it, but
1: I'm not like as well versed on my friends.
2: Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. So... Winona Ryder has also kissed Jennifer Aniston. Um, well, there we go. <laughs> and then she also did a cameo in Ben Stiller's comedy, Zoolander, which I don't remember seeing her in that at all. But then again, I probably saw that before I really knew who she was. Yeah, same. I am thinking the same thing. She also was scheduled to appear in a film called Lily and the Secret of Planting, but ended up withdrawing from it because she had a severe stomach-related disorder. It didn't go into like huge detail on what that was I don't know exactly what it was but she got hospitalized for that also somewhere around her early career she broke her arm and went in to see a doctor and was prescribed some painkillers for her broken arm and they were like way too strong for what a broken arm usually requires and so on december i promise this will connect but there's a detour on december 12 2001 she was actually arrested for shoplifting charges in beverly hills california and accused of stealing 5500 dollars worth of designer clothes and accessories at a Saks fifth avenue department store and the media had a heyday with this I'm um sure. yeah first off she's obviously rich so like Everyone was like, why on earth would she steal $5,000 worth of clothes? She can just buy it, Yes, um, which is fair. She also was arrested for it, obviously. And so she signed two civil demands and security offices of the store. She was arrested by the Beverly Hills Police Department. They made her pay for the stolen merchandise and surrender it back, which apparently is like a part of the rule in California statute for civil recovery of shoplifting. You have to pay for it and return it. Hmm. I don't know. And then she also was taken to court where they filed four felony charges against her. And the Los Angeles district attorney had a team of eight prosecutors for this one shoplifting charge. It seems a little overkill. I'm not going to lie. Well, that's why I was like, maybe
1: I shouldn't. Maybe this is a sign that I shouldn't be a judge. But I'm like, she gave it back, guys.
2: (laughs) I know. And paid for it. I don't like it seems a little overkill. Um, she hired a celebrity defense attorney named Mark Garagos and they tried to like negotiate a plea bargain, but it didn't end up happening, which also seems weird. Like, it's shoplifting charges, guys.
1: Yeah, like, sure, that is a lot <laughs> of money to shoplift. But, like, yeah, it's crazy that they doubled down on it. Like, you would but think it that, was like
2: Saks Fifth Avenue in Beverly Hills. It could have been one pair of shoes. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: exactly.
2: Yeah, so I'm like, yeah, $5,000 is a lot of clothes when you go to Walmart. But, like, from a Saks Fifth Avenue? That's, like, two things, probably. Yeah, it's probably I mean, a pair of shoes and there. a blouse, and you're done. Yeah, sure. You know? <laughs> so... I don't know. Anyway, I just think it's kinda crazy he hired eight prosecutors. Like that's the Los Angeles district court. And <laughs> they have eight people on that. I don't take her down. I don't know. Legal system's broken. Yeah. Here's an ex- like one example. Anyway. And they weren't willing to take it down to misdemeanor charges either. So they went for the full felony charges. And they also wouldn't allow her to do a no-contest plea. So she was just going to be like, yeah, I'm guilty. Like, what do you want me to pay? And they were like, no, we're taking you to court.
1: That's what's crazy, too. Like, you would think that they would just, like, want to wrap it up quickly. And the fact that she's like, yeah, I know. That was wrong. Let's fix it. And they're like, nope. You have to –
2: I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Ridiculous. She was actually accused of using drugs during the trial, including oxycodone, diazepam, and Vicodin, without valid prescriptions. And then um, was convicted of grand theft, shoplifting, and vandalism. I don't know where the vandalism comes in. But was acquitted on the charge of burglary. Which is a little intense, too, because I feel like burglary, isn't that like armed stealing? I don't know, actually. not like she had a weapon. I don't know. Like a little intense. Anyway, she was sentenced to three years of probation and 480 hours of community service, plus $3,700 in fines which, mind you, is less than the amount of clothes, and um, 6355 in restitution to the Saks Fifth Avenue store. Wow. And then was also ordered to attend psychological and drug counseling. And on 2004, so two years later, they reviewed her probation report and observed that she had served 480 hours of community service and the felonies were reduced to misdemeanors. And they actually kept her on probation until the next year. So she did the full three years of probation.
1: Wow. That, I mean, like, that's just crazy because usually, you know, celebrities get off easy for bad things they do. Yeah, exactly. I was like, this is insane. Yeah, which I'm not advocating for celebrities to get off easy. But also I'm like, what? Okay, that is so unnecessary.
2: Kate, but here's the problem I have with that. Celebrities get, get away with way worse. That's what Like was, we're talking like yeah. prisonable offenses, like sexual misconduct and like- Yeah. Way, way worse. And then she shoplifts at a Saks Avenue in Beverly Hills and they put her for three years of probation and 480 hours of community service
1: yeah what the heck yeah i agree like it seems very weird that like this is the thing like of all the celebrities who are doing horrible things and this is the one we're doubling down on okay why not
2: yeah like this is the hill that the california district court decided to die on which okay whatever winona ryder shoplifting from the Saks fifth avenue just a little crazy (laughs) like okay Also, because of like the drug rumors and everything, you know, I mentioned that she had had that broken arm that they had Mm. given her painkillers for. She explained later to Interview Magazine that during this time, she was clinically depressed and that she had gone to see a physician and he had prescribed these really heavy painkiller medication to her. And depression and painkillers, bad mix. So it like really clouded her judgment. And the doctor who actually prescribed the medication ended up getting his medical license revoked later because he was, like, giving wealthy people prescription narcotics that they couldn't have gotten unless they found them on the street. Wow. Like, he was basically dealing illegal drugs to the rich and powerful of Hollywood. And so she kind of, like, blamed him for it. He was like, he wasn't a good doctor. Like, he basically gave it to her without her even asking and got her addicted to these painkillers kind of unknowingly. You know, like she went to the celebrity doctor for painkillers and he gave her like illegal
1: I wonder if he was like doing that on purpose so that like they'd keep coming back to him.
2: Well, probably. What a monster. Yeah. You get addicted and then he can make money off of it. So (sighs) yeah. What a horrible person. So really sad. What's also a huge bummer about this and just really devastating is that Ryder was actually involved in this kidnapping case in like a good way. Oh, Sorry. I was like, she was like, whoa. The no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. In 1993, so, like years previous, she like offered a reward for the return of a kidnapped child named Polly Class. Class grew up in Petaluma where Ryder had grown up. And so when she was, Polly was kidnapped on October 1st 1993 when she was only 12. It's actually a super crazy story. Like Apparently, the guy, like, walked in, blindfolded her and her two friends when they were having a slumber party, and then, like, took Polly out. That's... And then she disappeared. Ryder actually offered this reward for the safe return of $200,000 to try and hopefully get Polly back safe, and it didn't end up happening. She did pass away. Polly Clasp was killed, and they did convict richard allen davis of her murder and he was sentenced to death so they caught the guy but still like a little girl's life was lost and so after the girl's death winona writer actually dedicated her performance of joe in the 1994 film adaptation of little women to class's memory because one of Polly class's favorite books was little women by Louisa may Alcock. oh oh that is so sad So, like, very sweet and obviously so generous of her to, like, be involved in that when a lot of people don't pay attention. Mm -hmm. And so during, like, her sentence hearing, you know, they have, like, people who bring up character interviews or, like, good things that people have done to be like, look, they're a good citizen. Mm -hmm. And so he referred to her work with, like, the Polyclass Foundation and other charitable causes and this whole incident and everything. And the deputy district attorney turned and said, what's offensive to me is to trot out the body of a dead child. And it was just like really jarring. They said Winona Ryder was like really visibly upset and like her and the prosecutor was even admonished by the judge to be like, hey, no, you don't talk like that in my courtroom. And outside of the courthouse, Polly's father, Mark Kloss, ended up defending Winona Ryder and like being really outraged by the prosecutor's comments.
1: Man, this prosecutor just like had a personal vendetta against Winona Ryder
2: yes and I was like why was this so bad and then I kept thinking about remember how bad the media storm was in the early 2000s for like any woman yes. who did anything yeah yes like a feminism died for a couple of years and yes sadly like we grew up during that. Time. that is what
1: we <laughs> saw mm-hmm
2: because I remember how bad it was for like Paris Hilton, like she was just out partying with friends, and you know the media would like rip her to shreds.
1: Yeah, so like, I thought yeah, she was like, a bad writer, this Hollywood
2: up. sweetheart. Just insane, like one step out of line, and they like throw her to you know the wolves. They're like, here you go. But anyway, just crazy, right? Like just not fair yeah. at all. Bizarre, <laughs>
1: honestly. So,
2: um, because. Of how stupid Hollywood was, it actually ended up being really hard for her to get roles for a while, too. Woody Allen actually wanted to cast Robert Downey Jr. and Winona Ryder in his film Melinda and Melinda in 2003. But he Mm -hmm. wasn't able to because they couldn't get insurance for them. Because I think Johnny Depp was going through a lot of his drug issues at this time, too. And then when Rona Ryder had her backlash for her shoplifting incident. And so they couldn't get them insured, so they wouldn't hire him. I guess they have to, like, insure the actors. And depending on what they've done, their insurance is too difficult to achieve. Wow. And then two movies that she had filmed before her arrest did come out during that year. So she did a comedy called Mr. Deeds with Adam Sandler. It did really well in the box office, but it wasn't like a critical success. Uh, A film critic actually said remakes are often bad. This one was particularly bad, (laughs) which is funny. (laughs) But they just, like, hated the film. And then the second one was a science fiction drama, Simone, where she was, like, a glamorous star who was replaced by a computer-simulated actress. And I didn't find anything about that one, whether or not it was good. So I'm assuming it was just, like, a moderate. Yeah, just, like, whatever. Also... In May of 2002, which I think was also previous to her arrest, she uh, hosted Saturday Night Live, Mm. which is crazy. And then she also co-produced and co-narrated the documentary The Day My God Died that came out in 2004 and focuses on international child sex trafficking. Wow. Wow. So I think it's really funny that they're like, oh, she took a hiatus. And yet, like, stuff was still coming out for the entire, like, Like, four-year hiatus that she took. Kinda, Because then they're like, oh, her career revived in 2006. And it's like, she literally co-produced and co-rated a documentary in 2005. But... But like, okay. sure, maybe anyway. she wasn't like
1: the stars <laughs> like she was in the past. That's funny.
2: I literally think it was just the media. They beat her to bits. And so like when she finally came back and they gave her a break, like that was her career revival. Mm-hmm. Just kind of crazy. She didn't really end up doing anything super big. She was with a lot of like big names, but she did a lot of independent films. I'm just going to list them because there's a lot. So she did the Darwin Awards in 2006. She did a Scanner Darkly, which is based on a novel, and actually got to co-star opposite Keanu Reeves, Robert Downey Jr., and Woody Harrelson. And what was cool, too, they used Rotoscope software for that one, and it turned like, live-action scenes into animation. So that sounds really cool. And then in 2007, she was in David Wayne's Comedy of the Ten, uh, a surreal black comedy called Sex and Death 101. She was in a Kirsten Dunst-directed short horror film called Welcome. And also did another brief appearance in a music video by Jonathan Rice called We're All Stuck Out in the Desert. In 2008, she did an offbeat romantic drama called The Last Word and a film adaptation of The Informers. And then she also was in Star Trek, played Spock's human mother, Amanda Grayson. In 2009, she was in The Private Lives of Pippa Lee. And then in 2010, she starred as the aging ballet star in Black Swan opposite opposite Natalie Portman. She also did an independent film called Stay Cool alongside Hilary Duff, which I've never heard of. Then she also did a TV movie, When Love Is Not Enough, The Lewis Wilson Story, which she got nominated for a SAG award from. Entertainment Weekly actually wrote that Ryder played her character with wide eyes of both innocence and terror which sounds very fitting for her. I was just going to say, sounds very yeah consistent. 2011, she was in Ron Howard's The Dilemma. And also, that's when her relationship that she's still into this day, so her decade-long relationship began. It's actually really cool because they're not super public about it, and I think that's part of the success, and she's actually talked about that. It's with a fashion designer called Scott mccain Hain. They're a stunning couple, like they're both just gorgeous together. He goes to a lot of premieres and red carpets with her, even though he's not like a public figure himself. And he's a fashion designer, like I said, but he's also a founder of a company called Loom State that makes like sustainable clothing. So they use 100% certified organic cotton from several countries and like it's completely sustainable, Hmm. which is super awesome. She actually told Harper's Bazaar recently that when they met, he didn't even know who she was because he's so far removed from like show business and pop culture and everything else. He thought that she was a different actress and even told her that she was really great in The Fifth Element, which she is not in. (laughs) Oh, thanks. (laughs) Very funny. Yeah. But she part of the reason she fell in love with him too and why their relationship was so good is because they were so far away from the public eye. I think especially after like her huge public relationship with Robert Downey Jr. And then uh, – not Robert Downey Jr., sorry. Johnny. With Johnny Depp. Yeah, no,
1: I know what you meant. And
2: then, yeah. And then a lot of rumors around her and Keanu Reeves. I think it was like really great for her to be around someone who was more normal. Yes. She's actually spoken recently that even though they've been together for a decade, they'll probably never get married. And I thought this was really funny. She said she doesn't want to get divorced. And so she was like, I'd rather never have been married than have been divorced a few times. Not that there's anything wrong with divorce, but I don't think I could do it if that was a possibility. When your parents are madly in love for 45 years, your standards are really high. Interesting. Yeah. So it just sounds like she had this great example of love from her parents and she's just so nervous about being one of those stars that gets divorced Forced. over and over again yeah. that she just doesn't would even want rather not. That. So, you know, there's there's a logic yeah, to interesting. that. Interesting. Yeah, I know. It's like Oprah never got married either, right? She's just I don't think so. So, I'm like, maybe there's something to it in Hollywood because I swear everyone who gets married in Hollywood gets, gets divorced. divorced. Yeah, but... I don't know. In 2012, she played the wife of a contract killer in The Ice Man, and then she also was in a movie called The Letter with James Franco. Then she got to reunite with director Tim Burton. Who directed her in the music video for the killer single "Here with Me," and then also cast her in the animated three D feature film Frankenweenie. I think that based on Frankenstein. I did not know she was in Frankenweenie,
1: and I love discovering that in preparation for this episode.
2: I know, hilarious, right? Just add it to her roster of Halloween films. Yes. I love it. She also ends up talking a lot around this time about how she really feels like she owes her career to Tim Burton. Because of so many of the movies that he did with her so early on. Mm -hmm. Which is really cool. They definitely have been very connected. She also worked with the classic film channel TCM in 2012. And guest hosted. And introduced a lot of her favorite classic films in December as a guest host. Which is really cool. She's just done a lot of really random stuff. In 2013 she was in action thriller Homefront. Opposite James Franco. And this was hilarious. There was actually like a critic who said Ryder often seems on the verge of laughing in Franco's face as he attempts to manhandle and pimp talk her, but it's nice to see her raven eyes and regal cheekbones on the big screen again in whatever capacity. <laughs> so like you said, like they were like, "Oh, whatever, this is laughable, but she's just beautiful and we just love seeing yeah, her back on the screen." love her.
1: Which, you know, I'm not saying it's not deserved. <laughs> I know. It's just funny.
2: It's hilarious. They're like the movie was bad. She wasn't that great in it. But we're just happy she's in a movie. We just love watching (laughs) her.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Wish I could be. Um, She
2: also was in two different episodes of the series Drunk History, and then also was in the British television film Turks and Caicos, and did some modeling for the fashion label Rag and Bone for their fall advertising campaign. 2015, she was a juror at the Sundance Film Festival. Worked on the HBO cool. miniseries "Show Me a Hero," and then ended up starring in the biopic "Experimenter" uh, with Peter Sarsgaard, and which had positive reviews. And then also was in a bunch of advertisements for Marc Jacobs for their cosmetics and for their spring clothing collection.
1: There we go. So
2: very, very busy couple so, of years. I was there. like, I
1: totally thought that she like did nothing, to, and then like did Stranger Things. So I'm like, oh. Her hiatus was never, like, really a hiatus.
2: I know. It's so hilarious that it's labeled as one. I was like, she's been working this entire time. Yeah. Just smaller stuff. Yeah. But, like, nothing horrible. Just, like, small stuff. Yeah. Anyway, hilarious. But now we get to talk about, of course, her major, major revival when she came back for the Netflix sci-fi horror series Stranger Things by the created by the Duffer Brothers. Duff duffer brothers <laughs> playing Joyce Byers um and being amazing at it of course really though uh, i actually like found a bunch of stuff about like what she's brought to the stranger things cast and movies and everything and not movies but seasons they basically are movies um <laughs> and just how important her influence has been Mm -hmm. um the duffer brothers actually said that she has a very intense energy about her a wiry unpredictability a sort of anxiousness that we thought we'd really lean into and they talked about how they weren't really like joy spires wasn't going to be the character that she actually is today originally Mm. Uh, they said that she wasn't that interesting of a character she was just kind of like this caring mom they didn't have really like a lot of edge to her or anything. And then when they cast Winona, something just, like, changed because she was such a unique actress. She brought on this, like, different skill set that they just, like, weren't expecting. They said she kind of leaned into, like, this Richard Dreyfus of Close Encounters of the Third Kind sort of role. And that's what ended up coming up with, like, the Christmas-like communication and, like, the desperation and, like, the stuff that ended up making the character who she was. And so we could have had a whole different series of Stranger Things where, like, Joyce Byers does not become one of the main characters if it wasn't Winona Ryder.
1: Interesting. Which I feel like, yeah, like, the Christmas lights thing, like, that's, that's so iconic. That's, like, the biggest thing people remember from... From
2: Stranger Things is the Christmas lights. I know. And it's like, yeah, they didn't really have that idea until they started working with her. And I think that that's something about like why critics love her on the screen, even when it's a bad movie or like why a lot of her movies that don't do well become cult classics because there's something magical about Winona Ryder in film. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they like really leaned into that in Stranger Things and it worked really well. Obviously, it was released to critical acclaim, high audience ratings She received major praise for her performance, especially in the first season. And the cast won the SAG Award for the Best Ensemble of Drama Series in 2017. We know there's been second and third seasons that have been released. And the fourth came out this summer. And the fifth, I think, is slated for next year. I'm pretty sure. Some more stuff about her in the role. Imagining Winona and all these scenarios started to open up to much more interesting character than just, like, a mom who wants her kid back. That's the case for a lot of characters in the pilot. They were just sketches of who they would become. But once we cast people, they continue to evolve, and these actors just keep informing who the characters are. And what's funny, too, is this is actually, like, the first TV show that Winona Ryder has ever been in. She's been in a lot of TV, like, movies, but she was never, Mm -hmm. like, a recurring character on a TV show. And so when the casting director suggested her, the Duffer brothers were actually worried that she wasn't going to agree to it. Interesting. Um, It was kind of funny because they were like seven years ago when Nona wasn't acting a lot, which like she was, but like, I guess comparatively to like her beginning career. Yeah. Like she wasn't. (laughs) And so they were like, we love her. Like he said, she's one of those actors that we all grew up watching and that we loved and had so much nostalgia for. And I missed her on screen. We were really worried that she wouldn't agree to do television because him and his brother actually only had one movie that was out that wasn't even released by Warner Brothers. So he was like, "We're not a hot commodity. It's just a Netflix show." Like, they had nothing to their mm-hmm. name to like get a star like Winona Ryder this early yeah. on. And <laughs> so they had like this pitch document they sent her. They said they put a bunch of pretty pictures in it. It had E. T. and Jaws and like all these John Carpenter films and they like, tried to capture this a- that aesthetic mm-hmm. of the show. And they even made like a fake trailer for how the show would feel, and like center the script, and then had a four and a half hour meeting with her, and they were like, it was so like hard because you're sitting next to a Nona writer, and like it's crazy now because the Duffer Brothers are such big names yeah. in film, but like back then they were yeah, nothing, they were no one. you know? So they're like sitting next to a Nona writer, and they're like, oh my gosh, they didn't even know how to like, talk. Please be in our they were TV just, show. Like- <laughs> exactly (laughs) like I think Stranger Things was like the
1: Netflix show that like made people be like oh maybe Netflix shows can be good you know
2: exactly yeah and they owe a lot of that to the billing of Winona Ryder because a lot of people were just like they love her you know so they watched and she did great in it (laughs) but yeah and they even said she said yes and it was amazing because I think that completely transformed the show because then they had Winona Ryder on board you know Like, that's top billing right there. They said that even now that the show is huge, it's still trippy to get a text message from Winona Ryder. You never get used to it. There's something just really, really special about her. And then they even said, hopefully Stranger Things is not our last Winona Ryder project.
1: Well, it (laughs) seems like the vibes are right, so hopefully there's more to (laughs) come. Yeah.
2: And she's done a lot for the show, even more than just, like, the top billing that it had. David Harper has actually talked a lot about that she's like the 80s, how do I explain it? She's like the 80s expert on set. There was like one time that. that they put a song releasing two years early and she was like, hey, this song actually came out in 85 and you have it in 83, like you've got to fix that. And she just knew that off the top of her head. And so they ended up having to change the script based on that. And they've said that it's been other things like that. She'll point out minor historical mistakes. And then like, no, you missed that. No, that's wrong. No, that's not right. You know, that's like fine. you need to fix that they like really count on her and then also i brought this up i think in the kate bush episode or later but she wore kate bush t-shirts and lapel badges on the set of stranger things persistently until finally the producers of the show were like okay we'll include her single and that ended up becoming like the most viral song for the whole season reaching number one in music charts and territories around the world
1: pretty crazy
2: so it's because of her wearing Kate Bush t-shirts that the entire world even knows what running up that hill is, which is yeah. amazing. She's also talked a lot to specifically Millie Bobby Brown about growing up in the spotlight and all of the kids about like what being a celebrity is like, how the press can be, and like a lot of the anxiety and confusion that comes with that. Mm-hmm. So the Duffer brothers think that like with her, it's really helped the kids because like being a child star is so hard and her career started so early and like, that she's been able to really, really help them Mm -hmm. um, navigate all of that. Other than that, like, she's been in a few smaller projects. She's done some commercials. Um, She was in a film called Destination Wedding with Keanu Reeves. She was also in a Squarespace Squarespace Super Bowl commercial and then also did another Super Bowl commercial for Cadillac reprising her role as Kim Boggs in Edward Scissorhands with Timothy Chalamet. Which is funny. Oh yeah. <laughs> As she's also done an HBO limited series called "The Plot Against America," and um, the critic there said Winona has always had the standing of the great American ingenue. Now we're ready for the second act because she's always been a remarkable actor, always asking questions about their role, doing the research, and then feeling the camera instinctively once the work begins. And I think that is the truth about her. Everyone who talks about her, directors co-stars everyone like the cast of Stranger Things they just rave about how magnetic and phenomenal she is and how much research and thought process she puts into everything she does and I think it really shows
1: I agree like I said I feel like I'm the wrong person to be giving this episode as I've not seen any Winona Ryder movies but boy do I feel inspired to now
2: (laughs) I know I'm like now you need to go watch a bunch of them because she's got a whole list a whole list and you can even choose bad ones I can even choose- moderate ones
1: and the reviews <laughs> are still stellar for her so <laughs> i know apparently she's great in everything regardless Literally of how crappy everything the movie is. apparently whatever i love it
2: no i think that that really shows her talent as an actress that like absolutely you know Regardless of what she does, everyone's like, she's amazing. (laughs) We love Winona Also, I just have to shout out. She did some Wired interviews with David Harbour, who's Hopper in um, Stranger Things. And they are just beautiful. Like, you can tell, like, just how generous and loving and, like, wonderful Winona is. I also read, like, her article, I think, with Vanity Fair. And Mm -hmm. um, the interviewer said that every time they tried to talk about her career – Winona would always end up derailing it to talk about like someone that inspired her like a musician or an actress or she's like oh this person came into my life and let's talk about Mm. them and how great they are and all their accomplishments and she was like you could just tell that like the last thing that Winona ever wants to talk about is herself and it's not because she's like trying to be humble it's just because she really finds herself to be the least interesting part of her life. Yeah, she's just like, look at all the things that like all these people that have inspired me and all the things I've been able to do and like doesn't want to spout off her accomplishments, just wants to like talk about the people that have made her who she is. So she just sounds like a really genuine, like wonderful person.
1: Honestly, though. Well, this is a Winona Rider Stan podcast now, I guess. I don't know.
2: I guess oh, I'll, yeah. I'll watch the movies 100%. and I'll, I'll report back.
1: I think you're going to love them. I, yeah, absolutely.
2: We'll make a list of like Winona Ryder movies for sure and post them, for, like the top ones you have to see. So definitely go follow the Instagram absolutely. for that. And we will be watching a Winona Ryder film this week. So go vote on which one and then come watch then with come us. Back. So you can see Sadie's firsthand reactions to whatever we end up watching. To
1: whatever we end up watching. Absolutely
2: cool well anything else or are we done for the for i don't the think so yeah, just love winona rider and happy winona rider month
1: happy winona rider month and be back next week for one more one more monster month episode oh we have two more monster month episodes. i think we've
2: got two more we've got two more. we've got five mondays in october we're yep so we've got two more
1: i'm very excited okay until next week
0: 18 plus.